Amen. Well, let's make our declaration this morning. This is my Bible. I live by its truth. I walk in its light. I rest in its promises. I'm empowered by its love. And I overcome by the faith produced from receiving this seed sown into my heart. Father, I thank you today for your word. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're present here. I thank you for what you're going to do in each and every one of our hearts by the power of your grace and your truth. In Jesus' name. Somebody said, Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, this morning I'm going to take a, a couple areas, and uh, I took that pause there on Father's Day because next week we have a special Father's Day service we'll do and that. But this week and then the, uh, the, the weekend after Father's Day, uh, I'm going to share just a, a two-part message just on our faith being complete. And uh, I mean, oh, the Romans chapter one, I'm not going to read all the verses on the cover of your outline there, but Romans chapter one, and I apologize for you guys over here. One of our projectors went out, so we have a new one that will get up tomorrow and that. And so everybody's going to get a crook in your neck looking over here if we put scriptures up. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. But Romans chapter one, verse 16 tells us that the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. Hebrews 11 tells us that without faith, it is impossible to please God. It's interesting because if you go into the Old Testament, the word faith is used three times in the Old Testament. Faith is mentioned three times in the Old Testament. Anybody know how many times it's mentioned in the New Testament? Over 250 times. So you go from three to 250. Because there's a faith that they lived in there, Abraham by faith. Amen? But when it comes to you and I, we are to live by faith. Faith is how we appropriate everything that God has made available to us into our lives. One of the challenges that we have is really understanding how faith works. And so we get challenged with that. We struggle with that. So these next couple of messages are going to help us to kind of bring some enlightenment to that area. Also go to Mark chapter 11. We will read Mark chapter 11, verses 22 to 24. How many remember Brother Hagin? Brother Hagin preached on John chapter, Mark chapter 11 more than any other verse. Preached a hundred different times. You know, there's some scriptures you should hear over and 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 over. There's something about the word getting in you. James says it like this. James says, receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. Which would mean that the word has to become actually grafted into your life, has to become a part of you. Not just something I hear, but it actually gets ingrained into me. It becomes a part of my, 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 my personality, everything that I made up. It's my life. Hallelujah. And uh, Matthew chapter 21, and uh, let's read verses 20 on down to verse 24. Now in the morning, or, excuse me, Mark, my bad. Mark chapter 11, verse 20. Now in the morning as they passed by, they saw a tree dried up from its root. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the tree which you cursed has withered away. So let me just go back and put it like this. Let me say it like this. The tree that you talked to. Jesus went to a tree looking to find fruit earlier. We're coming back from the temple. He was hungry and finding fruit. He said, let, let no man eat fruit from you ever again. And the next day they come by and it dried it from root. So Jesus spoke to a tree. And it dried up from its roots and died. Okay? And so the disciples are marveling at that. Now look what they say in verse 20. And Jesus answered and said to them, in reply to their question, or their statement, 
Look at the tree you talked to. It's dead. I can't believe the tree you talked to did what you said. Look, the tree you talked to responded to what you said to it. And Jesus says, instead of doing anything else, look, 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 at, look at his response. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Look at verse 23. For assuredly. A good Bible study, if you ever want to do a good Bible study, go through every time Jesus says, assuredly, most assuredly, very, verily, truly, truly. Those are things you can count on. Anytime Jesus said assuredly, he says, you need to understand this completely. Most assuredly, assuredly, I say to you, whosoever shall say to this mountain, look at it, be thou removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt where, but believes that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatever he says. Therefore, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. So Jesus said, have faith in God, and then he just told you what faith in God looks like, how faith in God operates. If you read in that verse, he said three times to say, one time to believe. Most people focus more on believing than they do on saying. Three times, if you say, if you say, if you say, if you believe. Believe in your heart and do not doubt, but you say, you say, you say. So I'm going to put you like this. What you're saying is the declaration of your faith. Every day, every one of us speak words. And the words coming out of your mouth are the declaration of what you believe in your heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if I'm speaking on things of sickness, disease, failure, lack, poverty, fear, whatever it may be, whatever your conversation is, that's what you have in your heart. Jesus said if you had faith in God, you would talk to things and they would obey you. That's what he said to his disciples. He, he talked to a tree, and it obeyed him. And when the disciple says, that's crazy, look at what happened. He said, have faith in God. Are you getting this? So look at the cover of your outline. Let me show you where I'm going with this. Knowing what faith is and how faith works is, vital, is of vital importance to our lives. We need to know how faith is to be used in our lives. There are, unfortunately, too many misconceptions of faith. It's work. And purpose in the church and the traditional thinking of many people. Sometimes just a logical examination of a topic can reveal helpful insights into our lives. So we're just going to walk through and look at faith a little bit. Is that all right? Okay. So just thinking about what we believe in light of what the Word says can be very enlightening. Every one of you has a belief system right now. Every one of us. Each of us has our own belief system. What you believe. This is what I believe. I'll just tell you, this is what I believe. And that. And that's why I wear this little bracelet. I am going to find some more. We'll figure out how to do it. This just says, what does the word say? What does the word say? There's a bazillion opinions. In here, if we started having a if we picked a topic and started having a conversation, we'd have a lot of different viewpoints and perspective. And, and, and they can be good. That's a nice thought. That's a beautiful thought. That's a lovely thought. That touches my heart. That's a beautiful thought. It's not in the word, but that's a nice thought. And if, if it's not in the Word, it's not going to produce. God, do, God, does, God only 
produces his word. He doesn't produce our nice thoughts. Are you doing all right? God does his word. He accomplishes his word. Isaiah says like this, the Lord said, my word does not return to me void. It accomplishes what I send it to do. His word. And so that's why the word of God is so important in our life. I take that. And, and, but people, once I get a thought and once I've had it for a long time, and if I got that thought from somebody I really like and I love and I trust, and I trusted them to tell me something that was good, and, and I've held on to that even though it's totally unscriptural, and I hear the scriptures that challenges that and turns that around. Now, I'm going to defend that more than I am going to accept the truth. Thank you for that, hush. Amen. <laughs> so here's a key note. God has already done all he's going to do for man. God has already done everything he's going to do for us. Your redemption is complete. God does not do things in response to our needs. Hopefully, I'm going to kick over some sacred cows today. He has already met all of our needs in Christ, in His Son. Every need of your life is fully met in Christ. When Jesus died upon the cross, just before He died, He said... It finished. It is finished. And now he has ascended to the right hand of the Father. And he's seated by him. And he's waiting for the culmination or the completion of everything that he finished to come to pass. Okay. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 30 says this. In him... Christ, Christ, or it says this. Christ has been made unto us, Paul writes... Our wisdom, our sanctification, and our redemption. Jesus is our wisdom, our sanctification, our righteousness, and our redemption. Okay? Christ has been made that to us, for us. All right? Uh, if you have your Bibles, go to Ephesians chapter 1. In fact, I was just going to read verse 7. I'm going to go up to verse 3. Because it gives us a little better perspective of it. Verse 3, Ephesians 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. Somebody say blessed us. How many know blessed us is past tense? Okay. So, which means you're blessed. Just look at somebody and, and just tell them, I'd be blessed. Amen. I'd be blessed. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Okay. Having predestined us or planned ahead of time concerning us to adoption as what? Sons, by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he has made us accepted in the beloved, in him we have what? Redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Wow. 
Look at your outline there. In Second uh, 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 Peter 3 and verse 1 says that God has given to us everything that pertains to life and godliness. God's given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. That's what we have. When I'm in Christ, I'm a partaker of his fullness. Paul said in Philippians 4.19, My God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So Paul acknowledging that God is his provider, his source, his supply for every area of his life. Amen? So then also, so watch this now. But the definition of the word redemption there is there in your outline. Look what it means. A releasing effected by payment of a ransom. You and I were held captive by sin. We were slaves to sin. We, we've been taken captive. And Jesus came and paid the ransom, the redeeming price to redeem us out of captivity and to set us free. So the price has been paid for your redemption. And when I understand what my redemption is and what it includes, it includes all of the blessing that we just read. So now I, 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 I've been brought out of bondage and I've been brought into. I've been brought out of and I've been brought into. If it ever gets down on the inside of us as believers, what we've been brought into, it will transform your prayer life. It'll transform your faith life and your walk with God. Wait a minute. I am walking in his provision. He is my life. He's my strength. He's my joy. Pa Paul says, like, I, I don't have a care. So we spend all our time worrying about stuff that God has already set us into. I'll just, let me put you like this. Look at what Jesus said. He, Jesus said it like this. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. So he said, don't be like the Gentile. Don't walk around figuring out how I'm going to get a place to live, where I'm going to do this, do all that stuff. And God gives us industry. He gives us things. We're made to be productive and to produce and have purpose. And we do all that. But, but I, I'm, I'm not the source of that. He's the source. And when I learned to keep my life, as I gave you last week, aligned with God, when I live in alignment with God, with the plumb line of God and the truth of his word, then I live by his resource in my life. Glory to God. Amen. But look, look at what the rest of the definition is. It, it also means deliverance. It's, I love this. Liberation procured by the payment of a ransom. Glory to God, I've been released. Amen. I'm a free man. You should see yourself free in Christ. Who the sun sets is free indeed. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. But then if you listen to some of us talk, we don't sound like we have much freedom. Uh, how you doing? Oh, you don't want to know. <laughs> Fighting a little bondage, huh? Yeah. I thought you were redeemed. I am, but I just don't believe in it. Amen. Do you know what atrophy means? Mary Jo is a physical trainer. And she tries to help people who have a problem with atrophy. That means you got muscles that you ain't used for a while. And when you don't use them, you lose them. I mean, they're there. They just don't look like they're there. 
they've morphed into something else. Amen. And now we've got to bring them back through a transformation. And we start going through that transformation, they get sore. Because they haven't used it for a while. And we go, oh, that's sore. I, I don't know if I want to have muscles again. The same thing in living by faith. When you don't exercise your faith, faith is like a muscle, if you would. It's a good analogy. And so you have it, but by reason of use, you have to use it and exercise yourself in your faith. Hear this this morning. Faith does not move God to act on our behalf so that those with more faith can get God to do more for them than he does for others. That's a real concept that people have. Oh, I wish I had faith like you. Everybody in here has the same muscle structure. The only difference is, is whether you've done anything with it. Now see, we've had a Lord's Gym for 15 years. I don't go there. Because I get it by osmosis. Just knowing we own a gym... I feel healthy. (laughs) Amen. And I go back to that. I didn't build it for me. Amen. I built it for outreach to young people. You understand that? We built it to reach our community and be a blessing and outreach into our community. Now, it would help if I would go there. But I'm pretty buff already anyway. But faith, we develop our faith by use, just like muscles. Just like muscles. And so by staying active, me working and doing the things we do around here, I stay active and stay energized. And that's what faith is. It is uh, it's a, it's a, a gym is a place for exercise. So if you have a static job where you sit all day or do whatever, you're going to have to do something. I would go for my check on my doctor and make sure you're getting your steps in every day. I said, you ought to come walk around with me, doc. Amen. We're doing run all around, doing all the stuff we do, carrying everything, especially building the building stuff now. So it's a lot of fun. Amen. So we develop our faith by use to its highest level. Amen. It's not that anybody has more than you. Romans chapter 12, verse 3 says, God has given to every man the measure of faith. God is no respecter of persons. God does not give one person more faith than another person. One person has exercised their faith, believes God by faith more than another, therefore is receiving more. One is using their faith, one is not using their faith. That's where you see the difference. Are you doing all right? Religion likes to come up with all kinds of excuses. God likes to make us responsible for our own choices. Okay, so look inside your outline. Faith is receiving what has already been provided. Faith is receiving what has already been provided. Okay, faith is the confidence and the trust that we release towards God to receive all that he has prepared for those who love him and are called by his name. I believe God loves me. I believe he's prepared and taken care of me. Amen. Now, uh, December 13, 1978, I got saved. So this is, what, uh, 43 years or whatever. I've been saved. We've been in ministry for 40 years. And God has never failed us. We live by faith. Following. I mean, you look at God, how does this work? How do you come through? I just believe God. 
I remember when we were in Bernie, we went to Bernie when we started in ministry, and we were there just about a year and a half, and the whole thing blew up, and we're trying to figure out what to do. We had left Marysville, moved there, and, and Sue is now pregnant with, with our son Austin, and we're trying to figure God, what do we do? There, there's no way to get employment, and, and I just had this in my heart. I said, honey, I don't know what we're going to do. I just know I can't go back. God brought us out. I know he brought us here. And I just know I can't go back because I'd watch. I said, I've watched everybody that went out from our home church and tried to do something for God. They, they went out on their own and tried to do something for God. And when it didn't work, they went back. But then they, and I said, honey, everybody that went out and went back has never gone out again. I said, I can't go back. Because God didn't call. We didn't ask to do this. We got approached. The night we graduated, the pastor came up. Hey, why don't you come do this? And we prayed about it. So we, we, God opened that door. We didn't send ourselves there. How many know what I'm saying? But, but we're up against this wall. God, what are we going to do? And so from January to May, we had zero income. Well, I take it back. We had $300 a month income. Sue, Sue was still doing the books for the church. I'd resigned there. We're waiting on God. I'm trying to get a job we can. And, but I just feel, God, I, I just know you can't. And I have this peace. We're just going to wait on God. So the people we were renting, the, the, the trailer we were living in from on their property said, tell you what, until you get employment, you don't have to pay any rent. Check that one off. And then you got this coming. And then a pastor came to visit who was trying out for the church. He says, hey, you don't have any employment. You guys are pregnant. We'll pay your health insurance until you get a job. And get a job. check that one off. And God just came one after another, after another, after another, and provided to do for everything. And it's just amazing. But you have something when you know that God is your source. You have a peace even when you can't see a supply to come in. God does it. And we've seen God do it over and over and over and over again. In 43 years, I serve a God who does not fail. Amen. And he'll do it for you. You, you. Every one of you has testimonies like that where God's faithfulness has come through. And it's us receiving what he's prepared for. Look at Matthew chapter 25. Are you doing all right this morning? I just like kicking the devil in the teeth. I'm serious. Matthew chapter 25. And I, I just want to read, because Jesus is talking about the end time and, and, and the judgment of the Gentiles, but the culmination. But look at the promise that comes to us by him. Verse 34, then the king will say to those on his right hand, come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And your redemption, your salvation was prepared by God from the foundation of the world. You and I enter in, when we accept Christ as our Savior, just as we read in Ephesians, we enter into the provision and the promise of God that's been prepared for us. It's all there. That's what you live in. The problem is, is that you receive it by faith. You live in a world that tells you to fear, to have lack, to be worried about this, to be worried about everything else, that controls by fear. The world controls and dominates by fear. But God says that the just shall live by faith. And something has to rise up on the side of you where you say, I refuse to be bound by fear any longer. No matter what it is, no matter what the excuse is. So think about it. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, you turn over and read that one too. This is even better. 2 Corinthians, or excuse me, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 is what I want. Not 2nd, my bad.
Verse 6, however, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of what? This world or this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom from God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom of God. The hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. Which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of a man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. So when you get saved, you come into the prepared life of God. Glory to God. Oh, this is so good. Amen. I, I preach to make myself happy. I hope it gets on you. <laughs> Amen. So you see, we're adopted by God when we receive by grace salvation through faith in His Son. We are then called by His name. Amen. When you adopt a child, you, they get your name. And they are fully yours. And they have full title, full right. And even under our law, you know, under, under our law, an adopted child has more right than a natural born child. Glory to God. So do you in God. Are you doing all right? Now watch it. So watch it. We are called by his name the same as my children are called by my name. We now live under the provision of his house. Do you know what happened when, when, when the Lord, when David went and got Mephibosheth? Anybody remember Mephibosheth? Anybody pregnant need a good name for a kid? <laughs> but anyway, Mephibosheth was, was, was Jonathan's son. He's an outlaw. He's mad. He got dropped when he was young. They're running away. They're fleeing when Saul and Jonathan die. And, and the... the, the, the People that were taking the people that were supposed to care for him dropped him. That happens a lot in life. And so you get wounded. And so then he's living there in a place called Lodibar, a dry and pastureless place. He's living there. He's an outlaw. He hates David. He's blaming everything on David. Amen. And then David goes, wait a minute. David goes, wait a minute. I'm in covenant with Jonathan. And so I need to know, is there anybody left of the seed of the house of Saul? Because Jonathan is the seed of Saul. And so once you're connected, there's a family connection. This is, that's a whole other great message. But in that area, so is there anybody left of the household of Saul to whom I can show kindness to? Oh, yeah, Jonathan has a son named Mephibosheth. He's in Lodibar. David says, go get him. He brings him back, the whole story. But he brings him back and he says, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to restore to you your grandfather's land, your father's land, your total inheritance, everything they have. I'm going to give you people that are going to take care of that. You're not going to work on it. These people are going to work it all. You're just going to receive the benefits of it. But you're going to sit at my table. And you're going to eat of my provision in my house. That's what it means to be redeemed by God. Go, go to Psalms 36. Are you doing all right? I, I had to give you that before we read Psalms. I mean, I'm going to buy this CD myself. Son. Yeah. Psalms 36. This is so good. Thank you, Jim, for sharing that word this morning. That was precious, my brother. Amen. Hallelujah. Psalms 36, look at it. 
Verse 5, your mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens, and your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the great mountains. Your judgments are great and deep. O Lord, you preserve man and beast. How precious is your loving kindness, O God. Therefore, the children of men put their trust under the shadow of your wing. They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house. You give them drink from the river of your pleasures, and with you is the fountain of life, and in your light we see life. Of the abundance of his house. I've been adopted. My name is child of God. Amen. Amen. And I'm a partaker of the fullness of his house. So are you. Amen. And so when you're up against a financial pressure, when you need a job, whether you need healing, when, how many when you have children and, and, and they're sick or they're hurting, you wouldn't do everything you could to procure an answer for them? Amen. Then what makes you think that God's not on your side? And he already did it by sending his son to die on the cross. If I ever get a hold of the finished work of Jesus, I'll quit giving in. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. So watch this. Faith brings a release. Let me go back to this. Faith is simply believing and receiving what the Father has for you. Living the life prepared for you to live ahead of time. That's what Ephesians said. We're living the life that he prepared ahead of time for us to live. Glory to God. I love it in the Amplified. I'm not going to take time to read it, but you should read it in the Amplified Bible. Amen. Faith brings a release of the provision of God to the need of your life. Faith believes and receives what is already there. Hallelujah. Faith does not make God do something special for us at that moment that is not already prepared. When God does something, it's just a release. We're tapping into what has already been prepared and made available to us. Are you doing all right? Faith is, so in that area, it is already done. Let me say it to you. Just let that get settled in your heart. It's already done. It is finished. That's why I just start saying, I am. The, the, the hardest thing to do is, say I, is to say I am before you are. I have a hard time saying I am before I are. How many know what I'm saying? To say I am healed when I have symptoms is a contradiction to my mind. But it's a declaration of my faith. And people around you say, how can you say you're healed? Look at what, well, just shut up. It's not your life and it's not your faith. What do I care about what you think? Quit thinking, quit worrying about what people think. Why would you let people talk you into staying in a bad condition? Or just start doing this with people in hell. Man, I feel terrible. I feel like I'm going to die. I agree. I agree. Man, I'm not going to make it. I agree. I agree. According to your faith. Is that, you believe for that? Amen. I agree. Here, let's pray and agree. No, 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 no. Well, is that two on earth? You can have whatever you say. Well, I know the Bible says that. We don't really believe that stuff. Are you doing all right? Something has to happen where I begin to believe the Bible. And, 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 it, and it sounds sarcastic and it sounds funny, but it's not. It's life and death. Life and death is in the power of your tongue. 
Life and death is in the power of your tongue. And when I believe that, then I go back to what Jesus said, have faith in God. Start talking to things. Start talking to your body. Start talking to your finance. Start, start talking about your children. See, let, let me just say this about prodigal children. Quit talking about the mess your children are in. Start declaring who they're supposed to be in Christ. Right. My kids are mess. My kids are in rebellion. I agree. <laughs> my kids are never going to come around. They're so obnoxious. They're rude. I, I just want to slap them all the time. I agree. Let's go do it. <laughs> that isn't what you want, but that's what you're declaring. Then you wonder why it's not changing. Because God says this, God says this, hey, I create the fruit of your lips. I create the fruit of your lips. Well, my life sucks. I agree. It's probably what you've been saying. Are you doing all right? We say, Pastor, you're picking on me. No, I'm not. I'm just trying to help you. So watch this. You will never receive something that's not already done. Even what we call miracles, creative or recreative, have already been provided through our access to the fringe of his power. Job 26, verse 14, is the declaration of God's creation and everything. And, and, and I love this verse because it says, All this that you can see, everything you can see that God has created, Job 26, 14, it says, Just the fringe of his power. Glory to God. That's just the fringe of his power. Amen. Go to Mark chapter 5. Go to Mark chapter 5. When you look at God, David, look out. When I behold the heavens and the stars and the work of your hand, when I look at all of your creation, God, what is man that you are mindful of him? But listen, he goes on to say that you made him a little lower than the angels. But listen, he goes on to say, you have given him dominion and authority over all the works of your hands. That's Old Testament stuff. Amen. We get to walk in that in a new life. What, what did Jesus say? Behold, I give you power and authority over all the power of the enemy. We used to have testimony. We quit having them years ago, testimony services, because most people get up. The devil's been kicking my butt all week. Well, I thought you had authority. Because most testimony services came into it. They, they'd be a pity thing about the bad things that been happening to me all week. Don't shout me down real bad. All right. Mark chapter 5, watch this. Never glorify the devil more than you glorify God. Never give the devil more credit than you give to God. How do I give the devil credit? When you talk fear, doubt, and unbelief, you're talking the language of the devil. When you talk sickness, death, disease, defeat, all that, you have not, God, God never tells you to talk that in the Bible. I'm never told to talk. Fear, defeat, doubt, unbelief. You, you got to get to be like Jonathan. Jonathan's one of my favorite characters in the Bible. I mean, just a little bit that he had there with David and stuff. His heart, his companionship, relationship, and everything with David. But I love when they went out to fight the Philistines. And he just goes to his armor bearer. He just goes, hey, let's go see what God will do. And the armor bearer goes, okay, let's go. And he goes, so what do you got in mind? He says, well, this is what I'm thinking. There's only, you know, 60, 80 of them down there. And God might want us to whip them. So let's do this. Let's see what God would do through our lives. Yeah, we got the whole army back over here. But God might want to do something great through our lives. You want to go with me? Sure. 
and so they get up there and, and, and he goes, this is what we'll do. We'll say, we'll holler out to them and say, hey guys, what's happening? And if they say, wait there, we'll come up and show you. Then we'll know we need to go get help. But if they say, come on down, then we'll know God's given them into our hand. And the guy goes, that's what you got, huh? Wait there, come on down. And so he goes, okay, just do whatever's in your heart. Because Jonathan goes, because, listen what Jonathan, God is not restrained to save by many or by few. Let me put it to you like this. What is the many that you need in your situation to believe God for your answer? Over just his word. Well, God, I have your word, but I need to see this and 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 this. Let me put it like this. I, I may make you really mad. But never use Gideon as an excuse to put out a fleece. Does anybody know why Gideon put out a fleece? Because he was doubting what God said. God, God shows up and goes, hey, mighty man of valor. I'm raising you up to be a victor. And I'm using you because when I work through you, I get the glory. I'm not asking you to be strong. I'm allow, asking you to allow me to be strong through you. I will make you a deliverer. I'm declaring, I'm telling you who I say you are. I'm not asking you who you think you are. Gideon told him who he thought I was. I'm the least in my tribe. My tribe is the least. We're the poorest. We're the least. We're blah, 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 blah. We're hiding down here trying to get some grain. We're living in fear. God says, let me tell you who I say you are. You're a mighty man of valor, and I'm raising you up to lead my people in deliverance. Well, let me put this rug out here, and let's do a water trick with it. Make it wet on top, dry on the bottom. Okay, that's easy. That's like do. Okay, make it dry on the bottom, uh, and wet, wet on the bottom and dry on top. Until he's making God jump through hoops instead of taking God at his word. Because who's with you? And then God, what, what does God do to Gideon? He says, well, send out the call. I'm, I'm going to make a deliverer. And so 30,000 people show up. And God goes, that's way too many. You don't need that many. This is what we'll do. Tell everybody to take a drink. And the ones that, that, that dip down and, and they drink like this while they're looking around. Those are the ones that I'll use with you. Send everybody else home. He goes, God, we're down to th from 30,000 to 300. He goes, okay, I can get the glory through that. But see, what, what we keep trying to add to many. Instead of just believe that God can save by few. Are you doing all right? And when that goes off on the inside of us, things change. So that, that's, that's like for me, as you, in my life, my walk with God, that's what I, I just want to be like Jonathan. I want to see what God will do. And I'm just looking for people to say, hey, you want to do this? Okay, pastor sounds crazy. Yeah, huh? It's awesome. Let's do it. Let's do it. Watch, 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 watch. Let's build the Lord's gym. Let's build a 12,600 square foot commercial Lord's gym and let's believe God to provide it. We ain't got no money. Let's do it anyway. Let's just do it. Let's believe God. See what happens. Let's believe God and see what happens. Let's believe God and see what happens. If I could get that in you, let's just believe God and see what happens. Are you doing okay?
And where's our time gone? Watch this. Mark chapter 5. Watch what happens. Mark chapter 5. Verse 25. A certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years, had suffered many things from the physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew nurse. When she heard, somebody say when she heard. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, say she said. She said. You read it in the original, it says she said and kept saying. She said and kept saying. She said and kept saying. If I can touch him, I will be made whole. If I can touch him, I will be made whole. If I can touch him, I will be made whole. She said and she kept saying. She has an issue of blood. If she's found in public, if she touches anybody else, they become ceremonially unclean. She can be stoned and put to death. She says, I'm willing to risk my life. I'm willing to put it all on the line. I'm tired of being bound by this disease. I've been to the doctors. I've spent all my livelihood. I've spent 12 years with this thing. When I touch him, I will be made whole. She started out saying, if I can touch him, I will be made whole. By the time she got to touch to Jesus, she's saying, when I touch him, I will be made whole. And Jesus walking through a crowd and not paying any attention to this woman at all, not turning to her, never said a spoke a word to her, but she reached out and she touched. If I can touch just the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. If I can just make contact with the fringe of his power. I will be made whole. And reaching out, she touches the hem of the garment. And immediately, somebody say immediately. Immediately, the issue of her blood dries up. And Jesus stops. And he says, who touched me? The disciples go, are you crazy? You're like Phil Mickison at the PGA. You're enthroned by the crowds all around you. They're pushing you. You're, you're swarmed by people. Everybody's touching you. He says, no. Somebody touched me for I perceive power has gone out of me. Somebody grabbed hold of the power and they drew out of me what's been me prepared for them. The power to be made whole and complete is so available that you only have to touch the edge of his garment or that which is covering the anointing. Jesus did not create a healing for this woman. She didn't get a face-to-face encounter with him. He didn't lay hands on her. He didn't even speak to her. He didn't even know she was there. She made a demand on the anointing that God had put upon his life. The Lord said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me. And the anointing upon my life is to flow and to meet the needs of the people that I am sent to. There is an anointing of God that is available to the body of Christ. And if we will rise up and be people of faith and start pressing through and start talking by faith we can touch the hem of his garment and we'll once again see miracles in the house of God and amongst God's people give him a praise in the house this morning faith believes and receives I'll finish with this if the worship team will come back I think we should have four-hour church. (laughs) 
People want a microwave miracle and they live in a crockpot world. You're being slow cooked by this world. You're being slowly cooked and tenderized to accept. When you slow cook something, you break it down, you tenderize it, and it falls apart. The world's a crock pot. But we're looking for a microwave miracle. It takes time to press into the presence of God. Well, God, I get a busy week. I got 90 minutes this Sunday to give you, maybe. And I need a major miracle in my life. I want you to hear this. John 5, I don't have time to read it. You've read the account of the man by the pool of Bethesda. Jesus comes. She's all these people sitting around a pool. Ask one man one question. Do you want to be made whole? Yeah, yeah that's why I'm laying here. Only problem is that when the angel comes down and moves the waters, I don't have anybody to put me in. And somebody else always gets in in front of me. So I'm just stuck here. She said, I didn't ask you about the angel of water. I just asked you if you want to be made whole. I didn't ask you about your religion. But religious tradition had turned the church into a pool where people sit waiting for something that was never intended to happen. And I believe Jesus was amazed and marveled and heartbroken by what he saw. So whatever they had been taught and whatever the passage of time, men drifts away from the truth and the reality of God's word. They're covered in their right. Luke chapter 13, the woman who had been bound by the devil for 18 years, walks into, came to church every Sunday, bound over, walks into church. Jesus goes to church that Sunday and he goes, wait a minute, wait a minute. This woman, watch it. This woman has a birthright not to be bound. Her birthright, her birthright. She is a daughter of the seed of Abraham. And in that, she has a covenant promise not to be bound. She says, woman, be loosed. And they got mad. So what do you, that, that's her birthright. You are a child of God. You are now a joint heir with Abraham. You are the seed of Abraham. You have a birthright to be healed. You have a birthright to be free. <laughs> Jesus looked at this man. Do you want to be healed? Our problem is, is that we've come to a place where we accept sitting by the pool. We're content with long-term conditions and maladies in our life. And we have some kind of religious idea about how or where or what would have to happen in order for me to be healed. When all I need to do is make contact with the fringe of His power. Because it's already prepared for me. Are you doing all right? So Jesus has asked a man, do you want to be healed? Yeah, then get up. Get up, take your bed, and go. And then Jesus gets in trouble for telling the, get, telling the guy to carry his bed. No, <coughs> nobody's excited.
Nobody's excited about the guy being healed and walking and able to carry his bed after being on a bed. They go, dude, it's Sunday. Why are you working? Well, I was laying over there and just minding my own business. The dude said, get up. And I'm up walking, carrying my bed. Didn't know I'd get in trouble. Religion hates reality. Religion hates the truth of God's word. And when the power of God begins to move, people begin to get it. Religion will always try to keep you on the bed by the pool. Religion wants you on the bed by the pool because then you're dependent upon religion, not on faith in God. Are you doing okay? But Jesus didn't came to give us religion. He came to give us the reality of what it means to be adopted by God. And we have been ransomed. And we are now redeemed. We've received our redemption. The price has been. Whatever the need is in your life at any time, any place. You are completely ransomed. You are completely redeemed. The price is fully paid. It is yours in Christ. It's time for you to start declaring who you are. Who, who, who you, that I am instead of what I are. I need to declare what I am instead of what I are. I am free. I have peace. I sleep at night. The body of Christ should sleep every night. Christians should sleep. The Bible says he gives his beloved sweet sleep. Let me help you. Turn your stinking brain off. Well, I have to think about stuff all night. Why? I mean, I'm just, can I be as simple as I can in, in, in approaching that? Until I get fed up. What's that old saying? Until you get sick and tired of being sick and tired. The woman with the issue of blood. I'm tired of this. I'm not going to put it. If it means putting my life on the line, I'll do it. The woman with the demon-possessed daughter came to Jesus. A Gentile woman crossed the bridge of redemption came to Jesus. I've heard about you. Heard about you. And I have a demon-possessed daughter. I have a daughter tormented by a devil. And I want my daughter free. He says, I'm sorry. I'm not sent to you. I'm sent to the lost sheep of Israel. Yeah, but you don't understand. I have a daughter. You don't understand. That's nice. Nice. I'm glad you know who you are. I have a daughter tormented. And I want my daughter healed. You, you, you can do something about this. It's not right to take the children's bread and feed it to dogs. Yeah, that's a nice statement too. But I have a daughter and she's tormented. And even dogs eat crumbs that fall from the table. Jesus goes, woman. Listen to this. Because of this saying. Because of what you just said. Because of what you just said. You refuse to be denied. You have gone from two times, two Gentiles came to Jesus and got what the people who were supposed to get it weren't getting. The centurion, Roman centurion came. And the two times Jesus mentioned great faith was the Roman centurion and the Syrophoenician woman. Jesus with the centurion says, I have not found such great faith in all of Israel. Because he just said, speak the word and my servant will be healed. And he said, woman, because of this saying, because of what you just said, your daughter is freed. 
He said, woman, you have great faith. And your faith is just declared. And she reached over because you and I, Ephesians 2 says, we were Gentile. We were separated from the promises of God. But now we've been brought nigh by the blood. And we are now joint heirs with Christ. And you're a partaker of the promise. So if you and I can begin to say what the promise said and declare it and align ourselves with the word of God, we can walk in the provision of our Father's house. We can be the Mephibosheth, seating at the house of the king, rejoicing the provision of him. Come on stand to your feet with me this morning hallelujah thank you Lord thank you Lord I believe God has some breakthrough right now the presence of God has been just sticking here all morning and just that thing I love you I love you I love you Jesus that song we finished with we're just going to sing it again something happens when I just start loving Jesus above my problems I just start loving Jesus. I'm just going to love you. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. Oh, Jesus, I love you. And I just love him. I just worship him. Something happened. Something happened. See, in life we have two choices. I can either live by the provision of God or I can live by what I provide. God's provision is always prepared. Both work. They both work. You both produce. One comes by what he's provided. The other comes by my own strength, my own ability. Takes everything I have. Everything comes out of everything he's done versus me having to do it all. It's just a great thing. The greatest shame. If you're here today and there's anything that's been in your life that's been accepted and you come to church but it's like sitting by the pool. I'm here. I'm just not expecting an answer today. I'm here because I know it's possible. But I'm just not confident it'll happen. Maybe you're here today and there's something that has to be added to what God's already said. You need God to do this. Maybe you've been laying out fleece and doing whatever it is. But if you're ready to be a Jonathan to be a woman with the issue of blood if you're ready to find out what God would do if you just believe him and step out to see if you're tired of putting up with something for 12 years if you're tired of being bound for 18 years if you believe you have a birthright whatever it is and you're ready for freedom and breakthrough today move to this altar right now just move